Hello and welcome to the Mindfulness for Learning podcast. Elise Holly Hayward is a motivational and public speaker and disabilities correspondent at Jill Dando News. She has found her passion in supporting those working in education to do better when it comes to inclusion. During this episode, Elise offers so many practical tips on how to listen to the individual when striving for inclusive practice, and also talks about her own experiences in mainstream education. I want to make sure that people understand that I and many other physically impaired people like me have a good mind with lots of ideas and we need to feel included not left on the sidelines looking in and wishing we could be involved so let's get to it here she is the ever inspiring elise holly hayward hi elise welcome it is so wonderful to have you here on the mindfulness for learning podcast hello sophie hope you are well it's great to be on the mindfulness for learning podcast Thank you for having me. Uh, you are most welcome. And you are a motivational speaker. You write for Jill Dando News and Good News Post. And you're an AAC ambassador at the Priory Learning Trust. In, you are involved in so much. Can you tell us a bit about you and your background and how you ended up in all of these inspiring roles? My name is Elise Holly Haywood, otherwise known as Queen Elise. I am a funny loving, positive young lady who just happens to have cerebral palsy. I struggled breathing at birth, which resulted in me having some brain damage. But I am me. I have never ever known anything different, and I think I am very lucky to be here. My peers, Family and friends treat me the same as everyone else. I'm now motivational and public speaker, a disabilities correspondent and then inclusion, an AAC ambassador who loves to help others and raise awareness about the difficulties around disabilities and additional needs. And did you always plan to find work in motivating, supporting and teaching others about how to provide inclusive education? When I was younger, I had no confidence in myself and who was just that little girl happily sitting in the corner and not drawing attention to myself. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was older. I didn't know what I could do, but I knew I was very academic. I was in my first year of college and my secondary school gave me the opportunity to go back to Preston School and deliver a week of assemblies to your groups in 2019. After that, my physical impairment and medical support advisor, Lynn. She suggested that I should begin to use my voice more to inform and teach others about how my impairments have affected me and how they might help. This is what motivated me to get into speaking to larger groups of people. 
I had amazing support and guidance from Yeovil College and Preston Comp in supporting me which allowed me to become more confident and booking more speaking engagements. I love teaching people about the importance of raising awareness of cerebral palsy. And by this point I began to talk about my personal experiences in education to schools and conferences and how it might help teachers and teaching assistants to learn more about the different range of needs. Only in recent years I also began to speak to people who work in healthcare about my journey with cerebral palsy and how my communication has developed over the years. I never thought ten years ago I would be a motivational speaker and talking to hundreds of people I'm truly grateful for all the amazing opportunities I have had throughout. Mm, that's amazing and tell us about your, you, you talk of your experiences in mainstream education, can you tell us about your experiences of primary education in particular, did you have positive experiences? And if so, what did those positive experiences look like? In my primary school experience, I had some amazing teachers who understood my needs and were so lovely to me. However, I will suggest some ideas to consider if you have a student with a physical impairment. Yeah, so alongside learning your from your positive experiences, I think it is really important that we talk about the negative ones as well, because this is where the real growth and development can make a difference in our schools. Um, what negative experiences do you remember and how can we ensure others do not have these experiences in our schools? Assembly as if the children normally sit on the floor. See if your student can sit on the floor with a one-on-one -on -one close by. If this is not possible, lower their supportive seating so that they are as close to the others as possible. Also, make sure the pupil comes in at the same time as the rest of the students make them feel included. It wasn't very nice being wheeled into the room with lots of eyes looking at you. Mm. Schools need to be open-minded and inclusive. School plays make sure that the student is included as fully as possible. Sitting on the side and watching wasn't very nice. The school will have to look into accessibility or adapting the stage by putting ramps or lowering the stage if it's possible. Mm, and that's interesting you talk about accessibility in terms of you know the, physic the physical elements of schools. They're often quite old buildings. And thinking about accessibility in the physical aspect of schooling, what was your experience of things like sports day and PE? Sports day. I felt left out, forgotten and not involved, and sometimes embarrassed and I'll explain why. In reception, the crawling race and the running race were great as parents and teachers cheered me on and made me feel happy. But in year five, 
The children got faster. They finished and I would have only just started and I felt embarrassed when the clapping seemed to last forever. As lovely as intentions were, from parents cheering, I wanted the ground to swallow me up. Mm. At secondary school, we had an option whether we wanted to join in on sports day. If this is not possible to do in primary school, you could take an advantage of doing physio or make up some games to do like throwing bean bags or kicking a ball. Ask the student. You know, I think that's so important, Elise, isn't it? Asking the student, you know, for men, for like you say, that intention from the parents clapping and keeping going until you reach that finish line was such a good intention. But we really do need to be checking in with the individual. What does that individual want? And the individual is the most important part of inclusion at any age. And we'll talk about this a bit later. But something that's also significant is teamwork and collaboration. From the art of playing together in the early years to support conflict and resolution in the later years, what was your experience of friendships in school? Forced friendships. I was forced to make friends with people who I wasn't close to. I just wanted to play with my friends, not friends that the professionals chose for me. My friends were on the road to system. Two different friends were allocated to me each day. Like any other child, I had stronger friendships and a best friend, who I would have liked to play with more. But if my best friend came up to me as she wanted me to play with her, she was turned away by my support, as it wasn't her day and equally, there were girls and boys who didn't want to play with me that were forced to. Mm. Although everyone had my best interests at heart, this road system for friends for me didn't work. At lunch times and in the classroom, I was just set with my assistant. It would have been nice to not feel different and have a friend or friends around. It's important to remember that what works and is appreciated at a young age does not always work as you get older. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? That, that things will change with age, that requirements will change, but also your feelings about things change. And again, it's about checking in with that individual at regular intervals that they are agreeing with whatever you're doing or even coming up with the approach. They need to be part of that decision making. So there's a lot of room for improvement during your time in primary education. What about your secondary education? I was very lucky with my secondary school. Every effort was made and I felt included. Like I was wanted and I was keen to go to school. The teaching assistants were very good and all of the teachers were so understanding of my needs. They were amazing. Nothing was too much trouble. 
They talked to me and included me in anything that involved me and asked if I was okay. Communication made a whole different. I felt like a person with a voice. Hmm. And what did that look like? In the classroom, I was sat at a table with friends and my assistant set me up and was there ready to help but also I felt that she distanced herself so I had the opportunities to interact with friends and be independent. It was the perfect balance. It seems that there's a real fine line between support and overbearing assistance. This, the level of support desired may vary between individuals. Should we be having more conversations with children and asking them what they would like rather than just assuming... Um, and, and more autonomy, more decision-making from the children themselves. At lunchtimes and assemblies, I was able to be with friends. Nothing was too much trouble. The main thing was they listened to me as a person. Mm. Asking how I felt about whatever was coming up and went out of the way for me. Sitting my GCSEs. I had my own room with my support and an invigilator. My support scribed and read my questions for me. I was allowed regular breaks and extra time, 100% extra time. These were sufficient adjustments for me. We all had meetings and spoke together. I had a voice and we had the perfect balance. I applied to be a prefect, so I had a training day and an interview. I was over the moon when I was made a senior prefect. They always had a positive can-do attitude. For once in my life, I loved school. Well, that's so heartwarming when you hear of... of people or schools or settings just getting it right um, and educators will often think about will always think about adaptation and inclusion when it comes to planning learning and assessment but can you speak a bit about the daily transitions experience like experiences such as drop-off or home time lunch like you've spoken a little bit about um, kind of sports days and lunch times and things but movement from one part of the day or one classroom to another just little gestures can make the difference between inclusion and exclusion. Mm. I remember in year two my teaching assistant had to leave early at the end of the day for a term, and I was told that my mum had to either come into school and put on my coat at 2.15, or I had to leave class at 3.15 without my coat in the middle of the winter. Oh. My teacher at the time kept telling me she wasn't trained to put on my coat. I was a seven-year-old little girl. My sister, who was in the year below me, was able to help me. They missed the point. I'm not a breakable vase, and I felt, why didn't the teacher want to help me? Mm. What was wrong with me? 
I just wanted to feel like everyone else and just a small gesture of slipping on my coat would have made a massive difference in who I felt. Mm. I felt like it was a massive drama out of nothing and everyone in the classroom was looking at me. Wow, what an experience. Um, and like you say, such a small thing blown out of proportion there. Um, were you able to talk to anyone about how you were finding your school experiences? Somebody at home or at school who took your, uh, you know, took your feelings about your experiences at school seriously? It's so important to listen to the individual and letting them have a voice. It really is all about total communication. This includes eye-pointing, hand-pointing, facial expressions, and really is about knowing your student, listening and smiling so they feel at ease and happy at all times. I've always felt the happiest with my one-on-ones who I feel I can be at ease with. What advice you need to hear today, the best Teachers are the ones to make sure it's a positive experience and that every student feels included in everything, adjusting the classroom to be with their class friends, letting each student have a voice. Mm. And, what, and what tools were available to you in terms of accessing the curriculum and having that voice, having part of that? When I was just three years old, I had a speech and language therapist. She assessed me, and then I was given a communication book. This was a personalized book of photos and symbols. It had lots of pages with a menu and the vocabulary categorizer that it was easier to access. My support would look at where my eyes were looking at or if the page was big enough I was able to use my fist to touch the picture. When I started school, staff had to be trained in how to, to use my book with me. It was also at this point that I started to use switches like clicker to support my access to writing. Using switches was an extremely time-consuming and slow process. My mind worked so much faster than I was able to record. I remember the frustration, but I kept my cool and managed to show everyone what I was capable of. Mm. And I want to talk about these frustrations. How did your frustrations affect your behaviour in school and how much understanding was shown when you were frustrated? How do impairments affect behaviour in school and how can we have inclusive and restorative responses to that behaviour? I'm an easy-going young lady who wanted to make everyone's lives easier. Hmm. I usually take everything in my stride and don't get frustrated. I am a calm and relaxed person. I have a positive, can-do attitude. I've never known no different as I was born like this. Mm. And you've started to tell us about the development of the support systems and technology to support you in your time in school. 
Can you continue to tell us about this process and what became available to you and how you found working with these systems and tech? I was then able to move on to using a joystick to access the computer. This made things a little quicker, although my accuracy was not great, and mistakes were made so what I gained in speed in one way, I lost in another, through having to make corrections. For my communication at this point, I was loaned a communication device called a Moby. It had been personalized and programmed just for me. Both my communication book of Amobi had to be updated regularly with new vocabulary so that I could access my lessons and also so that I could socialize with my friends. I could only write what was programmed in. When I was finally given the opportunity to try my guess with a laptop at the age of 11, initially, it was tricky to make sure that I only clicked on things that I wanted to click on. But I discovered I was a quick learner, and I soon mastered this. By this time, I was able to read and write at a similar level to the rest of the students in my mainstream class. I used an on-screen keyboard, using my eyes to type. I managed to complete work which was set by the teacher, and often I would produce more work than some of the students who were writing. My problem was I didn't like the voice, it was very computerized and I felt embarrassed using it. I felt different, therefore, my support assistant would stand to the side or behind me, so that they could read what I was saying. This went on for most of my time in secondary, until I met Lynn. She suggested that I should be assessed at Bristol Communication Aid Service for a new communication aid. She also looked at different voices. This I gaze was so much faster and I chose the Queen's voice. And from then on the shy girl had a voice. <laughs> and let's chat about the different voices. We can all hear that the voice you use is that of the Queen's voice. What was it that you liked about this voice? What connected you to this particular vocal? Together we found the Queen's voice which I liked very much. It was when I began to use Queen Elizabeth II's voice that I decided to allow my computer to talk for me instead of relying on someone else to read everything that I typed. For the first time in my life, I felt comfortable and proud to be able to talk. Following the referral and assessment for a communication aid, I was allocated with this device I am using today. And what did the device do for you?
It was at this point that Lynn suggested that I should begin to use my voice to inform and teach others about how my impairments have affected me and how they might help. This is what motivated me to get into speaking to larger groups of people. I want to make sure that people understand that I and many other physically impaired people like me have a good mind with lots of ideas and we need to feel included by everyone, not left on the sidelines looking in and wishing we could be involved. My communication is as good as it can be. It is a little slower than the majority of people, but I can say anything that I want to say. I just need a little extra time to type my messages. I am an average 21-year-old young lady with lots to say and lots of ideas that I want to convey to people. I can't believe you're only 21, Elise, and you've already achieved so much. Um, I know you're a speaker and an expert in inclusion in education, but many of our Mindfulness for Learning community are parents and carers. Can you tell us a bit about home life for you and what part family play in inclusion? My mum is absolutely amazing mm -hmm. and I feel very lucky. When I was younger, she used to have to fight for help and what I needed, as she felt it's all about balance, happiness versus learning versus physio versus feeling included, and every child with cerebral palsy is different. It's a big umbrella term, and text, book way to do things is different for each child. I know my mum was guided by me and did what she felt was a right balance. I often wondered how I would be today if I didn't get the opportunities mum gave me at leading a life. I felt no different to my brothers and sisters, school friends. If I wanted to play on the floor, Mum put cushions around me so I couldn't fall over. Mum always just wanted me to be happy and included. Oh, wow, that sounds so amazing. The, the importance of parent, carer, lo just love, pure love. Um, and obviously that is part of building up um, mental health and well-being for, for young people. Our family life is such an important part of that. How do you look after your well-being now? I love to go shopping with my mum, my sister and my brother, walking my dog, Bella, visiting my nan and granddad. I'm such a family person and love spending time with them as well as my friends. It's always so nice to relax as my life is so busy with speaking engagements and being a correspondent so a bit of me. Time is amazing and I think I took it for granted when I was younger. Elise, you're only 21 and have achieved so much already. What are your future plans? Thank you so much. 
I have so many plans and ambitions for the future. I would love to grow my network of working with all the education and healthcare professionals across the world to spread awareness of inclusion and disabilities as well as motivate people and help others by sharing my story. I still would love to continue being a disabilities correspondent for the Jill Dando News Center. I love the team there. They're just amazing. <laughs> and can you summarise by giving five top tips on inclusion to educators? Listen to the voice of a pupil with a scent to gather valuable feedback. One thing that made my secondary school experience so much better is that every teacher asked me how I felt about whatever was coming up. Your students will appreciate you asking them for their opinions about what works well and what could be improved in their learning. Inclusivity is so important when working in an educational setting. Everything can be adapted to their needs. I love sitting at a table with friends during my lessons as I didn't feel any different from them. I absolutely love being able to have some independence and it also means I'm becoming more confident in myself. It's good to let the students have some independence and encourage them to be more independent. Giving them time, I've always felt relaxed when I'm not being rushed or being under pressure. Patience is an important key when working with a SEND student. A student with a physical impairment might take them a little longer. There's such good tips there that, you know, thinking about pupil voice, the physical barriers and what we can do to break those down, uh, independence and time. They're really, really important takeaways. Thank you so much for sharing those, Elise. And thank you so much for helping us educators develop our adaptive practices. It really is in the best interest of everyone that we continue to reflect upon and grow our understanding. We all get into teaching to inspire all young people, not just a few. So how can schools be supported by you and how can they find and, and contact you? My most used social media platform is Twitter and LinkedIn. People can contact me on there. I'm more than happy for them to email via my work email, which is eliseholly2001 at iCloud.com. Thank you so much for spending time with the Mindfulness for Learning community and sharing your expertise with us. And I really hope that we continue to find ways to collaborate with you, Elise, because it has been a joy working with you on this. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, Elise, for all of your amazing tips and also for your vulnerability in sharing all of your past experiences with us. Talking about these experiences is often a catalyst for rethinking. Reflection and change is what we need to ensure we're always responding to the individual. Making things work, not for Ofsted or because it's the right thing to do, 
but for the child and their overall well-being. You can contact Elise on Twitter on at Elise underscore Hayward underscore or email her at EliseHolly2001 at iCloud.com. You can find out more about us at Mindfulness for Learning at MindfulnessForLearning.com and follow us on Twitter, threads and Instagram on at M for Learning. Thanks to Ben Corbett for editing this episode and thank you to our listeners and we'll see you next time.